0: coach radio that's audibletrial.com slash life coach
1: radio and now here's today's show well hello (laughs) are you there henry
2: I'm here, Brenda.
1: Oh, the wonders of technology! I tell you. <laughs> I've never had that happen before, but I, it uh, it wouldn't allow me to connect in, and so now I'm here, and so all is good. So,
2: all right, we're on the
1: air. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the, it's great the
2: considering our topic tonight, right?
1: That's right. <laughs> Just roll with it. <laughs> So hello, everyone, and welcome to Being a Leader live with Brenda Baird. And if you're tuning in for the first time, this radio show is about leadership. We explore topics that are important to being a great leader, whether you're a first-time manager or a seasoned professional or just someone who's looking to master the skills of leadership, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Brenda Baird, and on this episode, I'm going to draw on my 31 plus years of business experience in building teams and leading people to get work done. The show offers plenty of practical advice, personal coaching, and creative new ways of thinking about common leadership challenges. Along with my business experience, I'm a professional certified coach credentialed with the International Coaching Federation and an energy leadership master practitioner. Now, you may be wondering if this show about leadership is for you. Well, I believe that we are all leaders somewhere in our life, and certainly we are the leaders of our own life. So I, my hope is the show inspires you to reflect and take some action to make your life and career the best that it could be. Listeners, I could not be happier. My friend and fellow coach, Reverend Henry Schoenfield is back in the studio tonight. Henry is a certified professional coach working with individuals and institutions during times of transition and transformation, drawing from his background as an ordained spiritual leader and meditation practitioner. Henry helps clients to connect to wisdom, commit to their journey, and to live their passion. So Henry, I'm so glad that you're here tonight.
2: Thank you so much, Brenda. It is great to be back here this evening with you.
1: Great. Now, listeners, you can actually call into the show and ask questions or comments about our topic tonight, and the number is 646-716-9397. Just press 1 to get in the queue, and you can share a story with us. You can ask a question of Henry or of myself. Tonight's topic is resilience, a person's capacity to respond to pressure and the demands of daily life. And Henry and I certainly experienced that at the start of this show <laughs> as none of the technology was working and the internet wouldn't connect and I had to improvise and call in on my cell phone. So <laughs> we're, we're living the dream tonight, Henry. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know this topic... <laughs> I know this topic is an important one for our listeners and uh, to the work with the people in the groups who, uh, or who are in transition. So I know this is a really important topic. So tell me a little bit what your thoughts are.
2: See, you know, just getting started, Brenda, I love uh, the issues that we're having, you know, because it makes the point that resilience is actually something very common, I mean, it's big, and it's a skill that we can develop, and it's all of that. And it's also really, really practical in, uh, in, in everyday situations. But, you know, you're, you're spot on uh, talking about the folks that I work with, uh, people who are in the midst of transition and transformation. Resilience is really big. You know, and it's not it's – often it's not a topic that we take on right away, You know, because uh, it's hard to talk about facing adversity in the abstract. But, of course, in any kind of situation, a transformation or transition, we're going to be facing some kind of challenge, some kind of adversity. And so when it does come up, you know, so once folks are in the middle of adversity, in the middle of transition and change, then resilience becomes the most natural and dare I say, really the most hopeful thing to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I have heard resilience um, defined as one's ability to bounce back from adversity. When we are faced with a difficult life event, um, I, you know, I had another example here, but I mean, certainly the happenings in Las Vegas this week, um, the hurricanes of the past few months and, and all of that, where people suddenly um, lose a loved one, a resilient individual is, is able to successfully cope and adapt to that stress. And in the workplace, resilience is often seen as a characteristic of employees who deal well with the stresses and strains of the so-called modern workplace. Resilience is really a person's capacity to respond to the pressures and demands of really the daily life uh, in the corporate environment. And sometimes that's just not easy, and and we often um, wonder how we're going to get through a situation. And I I can't help but just my heart just breaks for um, the folks in Las Vegas and those that have lost people, and their minds just are so having lost people myself, you're just in a fog and don't know how you're ever going to, um, to possibly get through that. So why is it then, Henry, that sometimes, particularly in the work environment is what, where my mind goes now, is why is it that some people thrive in the face of challenge and adversity while others just panic and withdraw into themselves? You know, it's, it's a really
2: great question. And, of course, all of our experience, uh, the the practice that we've had with adversity, even our attitude towards adversity, all of it comes into play when we think about, uh, you know, the uh, how well we can uh, adapt to change or how resilient uh, we can be. And so all of that really helps to color why it is that some people – Thrive in the face of challenge and adversity, and others just pull back. Um, You know, which is really a quite natural response when you think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's an overwhelmed feeling I think for some people, and when they're faced with something that they have to cope with, and in some cases, people just can't cope, and so I do think they just uh, sort of pull away and withdraw. Now, listeners, if you have a question or a comment about tonight's topic of resilience, remember you can call into the show. The number is 646 716 9397 and press 1 to get in the queue. Or if you're not able to call in, you can send your questions to Brenda at com. So, Henry, in your experience with coaching people in transition, tell us what you see is the foundational quality of those who actually can bounce back.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But actually, before we get there, there's, there's one piece of understanding of resilience that I want to flesh out, you know, because you're right that, that most of the time when we think about resilience, we're thinking about the ability to, uh, to bounce back or the ability mm-hmm. uh, just to adapt and keep moving. Um, But really, Mm. if you think about it, there's more to resilience than just kind of snapping back. Um, You know, resilience is also about uh, growing through adversity, you know, embracing the adversity, embracing what the challenge has to teach us in the moment and opening up Mm. and growing to that. You know, and so that being said, when it comes to a foundational quality that fosters resilience, I'd say it's that quality of openness, you know, and this openness that's really kind of solid, you know, you can think about mm-hmm. uh, standing with both feet firmly planted in a, in a posture that that's just ready to, uh, to take on, ready to deal with uh, whatever the situation is, you know, and so I, I think about that openness as, uh, as such a foundational quality um, You know, because as we were talking about before, it's such a common, even physiological response to adversity to shut down, Mm. to get into that Mm -hmm. fight, fight, or freeze response. And so resilience is the exact opposite of the fight, flight, freeze. It's this open posture of just standing in the midst of the situation and being able to deal with what is.
1: You know, I was just listening to, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Kyle C. He's a, a comedian-turned-coach, uh, and uh, he's taken a lot of his life's experience and his ability to use humor. But in his, his last video that I was watching, he was actually talking about the point that you just brought up about growing through adversity, and he even went on to say that sometimes he has found that the reason that we get stuck in working through our stuff is because so many times we're told to just get over it, just get over it. And that sort of stops the healing and stops the growing and stops the reflection. And then we get stuck in that place and we have to go back and sort of eventually we have to embrace it, right? And Work yeah. through it to overcome it, and I think that's what you were saying there.
2: Um, Absolutely, and you know, I mean, if you think about that 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 response, you know, just get over it. And the the layer yeah. of shame is if to say the way that we're dealing with the situation is wrong, you know, wrong. which of course right. there may be mm-hmm. more or more or less effective ways, or you know, uh, ways that that are going to leave us in a better space or or not as good of a space. But none of it's wrong, you know, and so when you say just get over it, of course, it's kind of shaming somebody to say what they're experiencing is somehow wrong.
1: That's right. You know, we actually have a caller, Henry, so I'm going to open up the microphone and see if we have a question. So the caller whose last four digits are 5135. I, uh, I'm making your microphone hot so the microphone is on caller 5135 you're on the air so who is this hi. and where are you calling from
0: hi. hi my name is Mike and I'm calling from Florida
1: hi Mike
0: what um, question do you have got for us question. tonight well <laughs> it's kind of a, a long question but um, I'm glad uh, the topic tonight couldn't be more perfect for me um, I've actually been like living in a fog for quite some time now and um, I actually need some advice and so that's why tonight's topic couldn't be more suited for me. Um, I I don't even know where to begin here. Um, I actually uh, had been working in a family business for ooh, 20, 22 years And uh, it kind of went south uh, really bad, and I kind of was left to pick up the pieces, and I just haven't been able to, Uh, and I I honestly don't know what to do. Um, You know, it was kind of one of those where I put a lot of effort and, you know, just everything into, and... You know, kind of one of those where I, everybody thought, and it wasn't just me, you know, it was other brothers also. Uh, and we all thought that, you know, eventually one day it would be, you know, all of ours. And when it when it went bad, it really went bad. And, and uh, kind of it was where my parents uh, took everything. You know, they went, they got divorced, they took everything, and the kids were left with nothing. And here we are in our 50s. Or You know, some are in their 40s, some are in their 50s, and we're basically out in the cold. Mm. Mm. And so it's almost like so, starting over again in your 50s. Yeah, yeah. It is
1: uh, It is a terrible situation that I think a lot of business owners have had to face since 2008 where the economy or the situations that – through no fault of your own, businesses fail, and, and most businesses do. So I, c- I can appreciate the, the uh, hardship that that has put on your family and on you, and you're sort of standing well, here now. As, as I visualize it, you're standing here saying, now what, right? Now what do well, I do? It well, wasn't,
0: it wasn't due to the economy. It was, it, was, it was due to infidelity. It was due to selfishness. You know what i mean it it wasn't it was an economy, and then okay. it was it was almost kind of like one of those you know like a plate in the ocean, you know what I mean like how low can you go and then you know what i mean then then when it was really bad, you know the kids were the ones holding up the company and it you know what I mean it was the kids that were sacrificing and then all along the parents were taking and then when it what got you know then at the at the very last minute, the parents took everything, and then it was done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, Mike. So what I'm I'm really Mike, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So what, what what I'm hearing is just that 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 you're just kind of lost right now, and you know, lost and not even the word, and 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 also just reeling. You know, because, you know, the, the relationships that, uh, that are wrapped up in, in, in this situation and, and so, you know, just being in that place and, of course, it makes so much sense that, that, that you would be, as you said, uh, in the top of the call, just in a fog. Uh, you know, later on, we're, something that we're going to be getting into uh, in, in this conversation is about really caring for ourselves. You know, that that resilience uh, really demands this this level of nurturing ourselves uh, at at the right times and in the right ways. You know, and so I guess the question that I would ask you, uh, being where you are right now, what's one thing that you could do to really care
0: for yourself? You know, I'll be honest with you, I've I've spent the last five years being so angry <laughs> I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with yeah. you. Because I, I I I I never expected to be in this position you know you know, I, I I think I've I I'm so humiliated because when this all happened and I I I'll be honest with you, I fell to pieces because I think of the embarrassment That when you and and I don't know if you can know where I'm coming with this, like when you when when I had when I went out and was job searching and then, you know, like I had jobs, as you know, when I was a teenager and things like that. But then when you have that one job for so long and then you're out job searching and somebody says, hey, wait a minute, you and I wasn't the business owner, but, you know, the last name is the same. And then all these people are asking me, wait a minute, you own a a business and you're asking me for a job? And then you have to explain that. And then I'm so embarrassed that I don't even know what to say. And then, you know, local people are saying to me, you're begging me for a job? And then, you know what I mean? I want to, like, crawl under Mm -hmm. the couch or the chair because I don't even know what to say. Yeah. And then I, you know, I I, – i don't I don't know what to say, and then so now I'm more embarrassed because I fell to pieces for years, and then my wife had to pick up the slack, and then I feel like an embarrassment for my children because here I was the breadwinner, I fall to pieces, you know what I mean, so it's like this vicious circle, yeah It is. yeah, yeah,
1: it's- That's, it just. I, I can hear this is really uh, uh, a big thing for you, Mike. It's, a, it's a, more than just a transition. It's it's affecting almost every area of your life in some way. And I hear you when you say you feel embarrassed to look for a job and, and you're embarrassed because um, you have been the breadwinner and, and in your mind you believe you need to still be the breadwinner. Um, and so if you were to be in a coaching relationship with either myself or Henry, what we would begin to ask of you is to, to do some inner work to think about how it is you want to be now. You, you can't change anything that's happened in the past. You can only be where you are right now in this moment and make the decision of how it is you want to be going forward. So, for example, You know, the question I might say to you is, so when you think about interacting with your family and those conversations are over, how do you want them to experience you in those moments? And what will often happen as we walk through conversations like that, Mike, is things will come up in your mind about maybe some belief systems that you have, Or values that you have that are being sort of bumped up against you in this situation of adversity that just are not aligned. And it could take some real strong inner work and inner reflection to get really clear about who is Mike today. We know what he was before, those days have changed. But who is Mike today? And how does he want his family? How does he want the world? How does he want his new job? How does he want himself to experience life? And it may not always feel like it in that moment, Mike, but you really do get to choose from this moment on. You get to choose how you show up and how you want to live and how happy you want to be. And that can come through going through and asking yourself some pretty serious questions about who is Mike and where does he want to be and how does he want to show up. And it's in answering those questions that you can sometimes get some clarity about, you know, it really sucks what I just went through. And it's crap that what my parents put myself and my family and my brothers and all of us through. And we were left with just a mess. Yep, you were. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But today is a, yeah. today is a, new, today's a new day and a new set of choices that you get to make
0: right yeah i mean it, it just stings so bad i mean we lost our houses we lost our car i mean we lost yeah. everything and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't it's, because of laziness you know what i mean it it it, it was just because i mean because uh oh, you know what i mean it just it uh oh.
1: It's everything. It's everything that relates to even who you identify yourself to be, Mike the provider, Mike the brother, Mike the business owner, Mike the husband. All of those things have been just rattled a little bit. And so it's reconnecting to your core values. It's reconnecting to who Mike really is. And then making a decision about how you want to move forward, taking better care of yourself in the process, and how you want to show up for your family and in life and uh, yeah. it's a big, big, it's a big situation. I hope you'll stay tuned into the rest of the show as we talk about some ideas about how to, um, to sort of help build your resilient muscle um, and to overcome Will. some of the, some of the stuff. So I hope you'll stay tuned. So appreciate you calling in today. And if you feel like you. Uh, you want to pursue that farther um, please just check in with Henry and I. you can You can get a hold of me at coaching dot com and Henry, why don't you share your um, email address so you know Mike has sure. a choice too about yeah.
2: Of course, yeah, you can find me on the web at coaching dot com and also just henry
0: at coaching dot com. Thank you for taking my call. Well, yeah, Mike will be praying Thanks for, for you.
1: Yep. Yep. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Wow. So there we have a real situation, someone who's really faced with, you know, again, a real adversity and um and I'm glad he called in and I hope I hope he'll reach out to one of us to uh to uh talk that through a little bit more. So, the key, yeah. what I was, what we were talking about was resilience and the qualities of of someone who ha, who carries resilience. And and what I heard the key is that resilience is not a passive quality, but it's actually an active process. So, like what we were talking with with Mike is like acknowledging the past. Yeah, that sucks big time. I lost everything. Yep, you did. Today, I'm standing mm-hmm. at the threshold of who. Who am I today and how can I move forward? And it's an active process of examination. So it's how we approach life and everything that life can throw at us has a massive impact on how we actually experience life. And resilient people do more of the things that help maintain that responsiveness. And it's less about being a victim To the adversity that we're being faced with Or the challenge that we're being faced with I think that's a really key point um, uh, Oh absolutely You know and
2: As you were saying that What came up for me was how Really uh, Resilience is is spiritual You know because it goes Mm -hmm. Beyond ourselves And and it reminds me of The the aphorism that, that Every genuine spiritual practice Begins with what is well, resilience is the same it's what it is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Less about being the victim and more about really determining how we want to approach our life. So, Absolutely. Henry, do you believe? do you believe resilience is a characteristic that's just gifted to some people and not to others? What are your thoughts about that? You know, that's... Yeah, that's such a
2: great question, Brenda, because I I think that's a common belief, you know, that that some folks are resilient uh, because that's just the way that they are and some folks aren't. Um, But resilience, like many traits, is a skill that can be developed because the truth is that it's in our nature to overcome. It's in our nature to rise up, to learn, and to grow, to evolve. You know, some of us may have had formative experiences growing up that helped us to develop this skill of resilience. And others may have learned how to be resilient in the middle of a challenging project or in the context of a relationship with a friend or family member. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. I believe that resilience is fundamentally a skill and a skill that can be learned and toned, by just about anybody.
1: Yeah. My experience in the corporate world is that many people think that it it takes a combination of intelligence, working long hours, lots of experience, in order to thrive in a potentially uh, hostile or fast working, you know, work environment. And in fact, what I have seen in, in my experiences is that it's those who have resilience who can cope with the Challenges like constant organizational change or the upheaval of, you know, people being laid off um, or impending, you know, cutbacks or looming deadlines, argumentative meetings uh, or competition from some of our business rivals. And I, too, think the good news is that although some people seem to be born with more resilience than others, um those whose resilience is lower, it can be learned. You can learn to boost your ability to cope and thrive and flourish uh, when the going gets tough. So then the question really um, that I think Mike had as well as I think other listeners may have at this point is then how do we develop strong resilience? And so we absolutely love talking to listeners, don't you, Mike, when they call in? It's just fabulous. (laughs) So give us a call. If you're a listener who has a question uh, about the topic, um, the number is 646-716-9397. Mike and I love to talk to the listeners and uh, answer your questions. So the ability to cope with pressure, adversity, and uncertainty really relies on developing certain behaviors, thoughts, and actions. So, Henry, how do we begin to practice the habits? and create strategies to help increase our resilience?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I think that a good first is to begin to notice how we do deal with adversity. You know, Mm -hmm. just to notice, what is our go-to way of thinking, feeling, and acting? You know, and to ask, like, to what extent does that default way help us to really grow through the experiences and challenges of daily life. But the trick here is just to be curious and objective, to be as curious and objective with yourself as possible, just to notice and do a little inquiry. Uh, Because once there's a clear sense of where you are now with resilience. Then you have choice, right? Then you can begin yeah. to think about the ways in which you would choose to develop, the ways that you want to develop. Uh, and, of course, there are many tools out there that can help you to do just that, to develop and to learn. Nevertheless, I really think that the first step is to notice, without judgment, just to notice where you are, how
1: it is that you do mm-hmm.
2: deal with adversity,
1: yeah, yeah, I think you know developing that resilience is really a, a personal journey that involves uh, thoughts, behaviors, and actions, and I do think that anyone can build their their resilience and I think about my own uh, personal story of of resilience and um, and i I'll, I'll share I'd like to share it, I think tonight that um, there was a time when um, many of my experiences from my childhood and growing up and other uh, experiences that I had with, you know, early bosses and, and things really sort of created a, a belief system in me that gives me the best options to remain resilient. And I went through a tremendously stressful time um, in that uh, my work situation was just had me right on the edge of burnout. And in that very place, I then had an opportunity to take a promotion, uh, which was going to require me to move from Illinois to Florida. And Hmm. because I wasn't as resilient as I could and I wasn't thinking as clearly as maybe I would have, I really was eager to just get out of where I was Mm. and thought that a change of geography would would be the answer, right? Uh, That would be the answer. And so I take the job and I uproot my whole, uh, my husband and I, our children were grown at this time, but we had lived in this community all of our life and we had just built a new home and we were going to have to sell it and we loved it and, Um, we had ill parents, and in the whole process of moving to Florida, we end up losing those parents, uh, moving away from the children. My daughter was getting married. Uh, It just, it was a time where because I wasn't thinking clearly and because I hadn't built my resilience muscles to cope well with what was happening around me, I was making more decisions that put me in a worse place until the point where I'm in Florida, I've been there for three years, and I just totally burned out and experiencing the same um, sort of work situation, only it seemed like it was on steroids. And through some inner work, through my therapist, through coaching, uh, I hired a coach. Um, I came up with um, some strategies to help myself, and, and I'll share those with you. There, there was actually nine of them in my notebook that I came up with, and the first one was just to recognize the relationships that I had next to me that were supportive, that were good. Um, I had gotten so caught up in the relationships that weren't good that I really forgot about some good ones <laughs> and, mm. and who those people were and, and how they were my support system. And then to look back on just exactly as you said how I reacted to the things that I saw as challenges or to the people that I saw as challenging and try to see in each one of those what the learning was there. What was I to learn there? And to continue that practice more proactively that when I was feeling challenged, what is it that I'm supposed to learn here, or what is it that I'm getting from the other person that actually mirrors something in me that I don't like? Uh, And that was just a huge turnaround for me uh, to be able to do that. And then to just don't make drama out of the crisis, you know, like don't turn it into this, oh, my God, you won't believe what they did or you won't believe what they said. Um that just put my stress on just, uh, you know, the uh, high-speed rail is what it felt like. And um, it affected how I interpreted things, and um, I think it affected how people interpreted me and experienced me, too, and it wasn't always um, positive. And then... Believe it or not, in this effort of self-reflection, I realized that I had so many successes and I hadn't celebrated them along the way. And in not celebrating the successes that I had had, um, it really robbed me of a piece of my happiness. And so celebrating life and, and the good things and keeping those things in the forefront have really helped me. And then also having more realistic goals goals that have alignment with what I feel is my purpose in life and doing something each day to sort of take me through that and get me closer to what it is that I'm trying to do. Uh, I don't have to take big, giant steps like I did in the past, if that makes sense. Um, Small steps are still really good. And positive action, you know. When something comes at me that looks like a challenge or feels a bit like um, it's not in my control, um, I don't try to control it. If it truly isn't in my control, then, you know, I have to experience it. I have to do what I can do, and that is to master myself and how I want to show up in this situation, how I want to react to what's happening, and to keep realistic, um, perspective on other people. This, uh, for me, Henry, was one of the biggest challenges um, in the workplace for me was that I had this high capacity to work long hours and carry a heavy workload and never understood how come people couldn't keep up. And it just put me on this perpetual wheel of then continuing to do, have to do more and more and more and more. Um, and the real lesson that I learned is not everyone – has that capacity and that I really didn't have as big a capacity as what I thought I did. Uh, the reason that I found the energy was really adrenaline off of what I was lacking and, and was trying to fill that void with accomplishments and hard work, if that makes sense. Um, and so in that I had to really change the way I thought and, and really examine my belief system um, to have a more optimistic view of, who I was as a person and how I wanted to show up and what my experience uh, in life was going to be going forward. Uh, I didn't want to show up like I was showing up before, which was stressed out, uh, a little bit withdrawn, um, angry, and uh, really missing out on a lot of really great experiences that I could have had that I just, you know, was miserable, (laughs) if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my story and the, those are the takeaways that i have from that experience that's actually really how i came to begin brinda baird coaching was it was in my own coach's training and it was through my own coach that i just realized how valuable the work of coaching is and how the mastery of self um is within all of our controls and if i had Perhaps, you know, I don't like to look back and, and have any regrets because I don't because everything I learned is who makes me who I am today. But I know today that if I had mastered some of this earlier, my situation wouldn't have felt so so terrible at the time. It may not have been perfect, mm. but um, the parts that I contributed would have been a little bit less.
2: <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, Henry, these are not only the ways that I found to strengthen resilience. Um, but let's talk a little bit. For someone with a more spiritual conviction, can you share with us some of the ways that you have found uh, folks can help build resilience?
2: Sure. you know there there are three things that came to mind when, as you were talking though, it, it the word that came up from me is connection. You know, and how the experience of adversity can cause us to be disconnected from those around us uh, and even from from ourselves. You know, and so I think some of the, the ways that, that, that folks with a more kind of spiritual bent can uh, can build resilience. Um, the three that I that, uh, mentioned is first, uh, a spiritual community community. Um, second, nurturing inner strength, and then the third, spiritual practice. So let me say just a a few words about those three things. Uh, First, spiritual community, you know, because that's the place where we really feel plugged in, you know, and it's not just to a higher power, um, but it's to the folks in the community. You know, having a sense that what I'm a part of is bigger than me, and is stronger than me,
1: you know, and that,
2: that mm-hmm. there is a place that, that I'm rooted. Uh, and especially when I'm going through some kind of challenge or some kind of adversity, to remember that, that these folks, that this community has my back, uh, that really there is nothing that can happen that, that my spiritual community can't help me go through. Can't really carry me through Can't really help Mm -hmm. that They can't help me to open up to it And you know so really Anchoring ourselves in spiritual Community and quite frankly It doesn't matter what the community looks Like you know it could be a meditation Community it can be a yoga Community a church uh, You know Really I I, I used to sing In the the, uh, New York City Game chorus. I thought about The uh, The the chorus as being uh, a kind of spiritual community, just anywhere that that we can really be plugged in, I think helps to build uh, that capacity. Uh, But then also, you know, that, that it's not just the strength that I draw from outside of me. It's also connecting to this inner strength. You know, the thing is about our hearts that, that, there is an anchoring in in our spirit. There is a stronger place within us that, no matter what's going on, you know, all we really have to do is to call to mind that we have this capacity for inner strength, that we have these this this thing that, that will help us kind of weather the storm uh, that is within, you know, and that can be as simple as an action of touching our heart and a few deep breaths when, uh, you know, in, in some of those moments mm. and to go back into the peace that's within, uh, you, you know, recalling a similar time perhaps uh, when you're facing a different kind of adversity that you overcame and to get in touch with that part of you, that really core part that helped you to get through, you know, and so, uh, nurturing the inner strength because every time that 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 we call upon it we also nurture it it's like a muscle that 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 we develop um and that leads right into spiritual practice you know and again what what people's practice is uh could vary quite widely from uh from sitting meditation to taking a walk to you know to praying um to exercise even, uh, can, mm-hmm. can be a spiritual practice, but something very intentional, you know, about connecting mm-hmm. into both what is the deepest part of ourselves and the part that kind of goes out the most from us, you know, because yeah. it's, you know, and that's, that's the paradox that, that when we're really connecting within in, in, in spiritual practice, are also really connecting outside of us, Um, you know, and so I think those three ways of of spiritual community, uh, inner strength, and spiritual practice are ways that that folks with a bit more of a spiritual uh, sensibility or conviction can help to build uh, resilience.
1: Yeah, yeah. Our lives are an exercise in facing challenges, that is for sure, and oftentimes we dream big dreams only to discover that we must develop deep inner strength and determination in order to meet our goals, and sometimes it's hard work, or or our hard work just doesn't always yield the results that we would expect, and it's during those times that we find ourselves frustrated by the challenges we face or stressed that we, you know, we didn't meet our own expectations. And I think we heard that with the caller tonight, this, this frustration he felt with somehow expectations were not being met with his family and, and in the job interview. And, and that's really, really tough. Um, it's also the time where the, we're most likely to take notice of those individuals who just appear to effortlessly go through life, right? <laughs> and as far as it seems, people just just magically everything just falls into place place for them. Uh, we can see the blessings they have received, the ease in which they accomplish their goals, and we see their unwavering confidence or even perhaps their wealth. But because we can never see the story of their lives as a whole, I think it's really important that we reframe from sort of um, that judgment or even from, from, from being envious. Um, I know I have seen some clients who who in, when they get stuck, well, that's all they can see is how the rest of the world doesn't have this challenge and just they do, and it, it quickly falls into victimhood. Hmm. Um, so, Henry, what advice would you give to someone who is, you know, falling prey to the idea that someone else may have it easier or someone else is luckier than they are.
2: Yeah, boy, talk about a temptation, right? I mean, it's so yeah. easy to go there to that. Well, mm-hmm. some people just have it easy. Uh, some people yeah. are just plain lucky, you know. Some people yeah. who just yeah. happen to be not me. Um mm-hmm. You know, and and who knows? Yeah, Uh, maybe some people do kind of have a lucky. Um, And at the same time, even if they do, what a terrific waste of our time and energy! You know, focusing on what we don't have, or focusing on what we want that other people have. I mean, the yeah. I really really think Henry,
1: that's what I was doing. I was just focused on everything I didn't have, and I. That's what I really meant by that celebration was I got so stuck looking at what I didn't have. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it was just well, that now, really actually, resonated that, with me.
2: That's such a great exercise though, what you did there, Brenda, because you recognized where you are and then you acted in the opposite direction. Yeah. Right? Recognize that mm-hmm. that 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 you're stuck in what you don't have and so you celebrate uh, what you do have, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we may not uh, all come from the same background. Uh, we may not have the same experience or preparation for life's hardships. However, we all have the capacity to develop skills that are going to serve us well. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have that capacity to develop skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that that's probably one of the downfalls of our culture that we want to develop skills overnight. You know, we want to take a course online and 20 hours later uh, have whatever skill it is that that, that we want. But skills take a long time, you know. And yet, I can't think of any better skill for living than the skill of resilience. Yeah. besides, as you pointed out, when we see somebody who seems to have it all together, can't see the lessons that it took for them to get there. And we yeah. can't even know, like, if their lives really are the way that it appears. Yeah. All we can really do is focus on what our process is.
1: Yeah. You know, while I was um, preparing for this show, I um, I pulled out a copy of the of a book written by Brene Brown called The Gifts of Imperfection. And what I was remembering is that, that, first of all, it is just a fabulous book that is just, if if you haven't read it, listeners, I would say get it and read it. It has enormous um, value and relevance, especially in today's world and in what we're talking about tonight. And there are so many activities that you can walk yourself through that can really help you to get um, get realigned to your values and your spirit and um, to your purpose and uh, help you to move forward. But there, she has this section where she has three questions um, so that when you're experiencing a challenge and you're looking around you and everything you see, every image you see, the image of other people or of other people's work or their lives, um, all seem to have it together but you, she says that we need to really do what's, what she calls as a reality check to see if what we're looking at is really real and that we need to be able to ask, ask, answer these questions uh, honestly and from, a, a, from a, a place of intention so that we can really get clear if what we see and what we believe is actually true. So that's the first question. The first question is, is what I'm seeing real? Do these images convey real life or is it just a fantasy? You know, as I look at other people's lives or I look at other people's situations, like Henry said, you don't know the path that they've walked. You don't know the life that they lived. And so it seems like they're so happy and they have everything, but you don't know what's in their heart and you don't know what's in their past. So looking at those things and saying, is that real or is that fantasy? And second, it says, do these images reflect healthy, wholehearted living? Or do they turn my life, my body, my family, my relationships into objects or commodities? This is sort of what I was getting at before. Um, it just keeps coming up for me over and over is this, this viewing things from a lens of lack, viewing things from the lens of victim? All of a sudden, the people around you who are so valuable and who support you and who love you, you don't even see it as that anymore. You're so withdrawn and so disconnected, as Henry said, that you don't even see the valuable things that you have around them. And you treat them like commodities, as if they'll always be there. And sometimes that's another challenge that if we continue to behave this way, sometimes we do lose people in our lives. And it's just another challenge that we have to face. And the third question is, who benefits by seeing these images and feeling bad about myself? It's a tricky question. Who benefits by seeing these images and feeling bad about myself? So who actually benefits? And she has a hint uh, here that's in italics, and it's always about money or and or control. So when we find ourselves in these places of trying to Um, manipulate life or control life is just when we get out of alignment and things don't look the way they really are. We start to put on these other lenses and we see the world not in the way that it really is, which then triggers the way we think, which triggers our emotions, and which ultimately triggers our behaviors. So it's a fantastic book, um, and, uh, again, I would recommend that any anyone read them. I don't know. Have you ever read Brene Brown, Henry, or?
2: Oh, I'm such a fan of Brene Brown. Um, you know, it was actually, I was actually listening to uh, a podcast interview with her this afternoon. Um, you know, as, as you were talking, uh, Brenda, the words that, that came up for me were, get real. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that in So often we can get into fantasy, right? And we don't have really, our foundation in fantasy is not solid. It's only as solid as the fantasy, and fantasies aren't solid. Get real.
0: yeah.
2: You know, and to get real with compassion, of course, with ourselves, not beating ourselves or other people up, but just to be able to see things as it clearly is. Because it's only when we see things as they clearly is, can we do something about it. Um, you know, and ultimately, I think that that's actually getting into self-care, right? Yeah. To be able to see mm-hmm. things as they are gets us to a place where we can do something about it. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, later on in, in that book, in uh, The Gifts of Imperfection, um, Brene Brown talks about this, uh, this dig deep exercise You know this exercise that helps us To get in touch With the depths of what's going on Inside of us uh, And she walks us through this thing That she calls uh, the vowel check So just to kind of go through She says uh, it's A-E-I-O-U A, have I been abstinent today You know and however you define that uh, I, I might find It a little more challenging When it comes to things like Food and work, the computer, the Facebook. You know, have I really kind of been abstinent enough to keep clarity? Uh, then yeah. E, have I exercised? Have I moved my body? Have I kind of gotten the blood flowing? Am I operating the way that that I'm supposed to be operating? Um, you know, and then I, what have I done for myself today? You know, in that really genuine. Uh, supportive sense, that restorative sense. What have I done for myself today? And then what have I done for others today? I love that mm-hmm. that she puts it in that order because so yeah. often we put it in the other order, right? That we put others first yeah. and then ourselves. But she says, no, we've got, in, we've got to ground ourselves in what we're doing for us and then we can uh, go out and do what we've done for others. And she talks about how am I holding on to or am I holding on to unexpressed emotions? Uh, I was hearing a, a bit this afternoon that the, 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 the most resilient people uh, are uh, emotionally aware, you know, and, and have uh, an emotional vocabulary of like 30 different emotions, whereas most of us live in in three, in happy, mad, sad, you know. Uh, So am I holding on to unexpressed emotions? Mm -hmm. And then finally, with the why, what you're talking about celebrating, she says, yay, what's something that's good that's happened today? You know, Mm -hmm. and the whole point is to get into the depths of what's going on. Because getting in touch with the depths of what's going on inside also connects us with perspective. And that inner strength that I was talking about before, and perspective mm-hmm. and inner strength cannot help but give way to resilience.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you for that, Henry. I really appreciate it. You know that the one of the guideposts in the book, uh, the gifts for imperfection. I guess tonight is Benet Brown night, isn't it? Um, That particular guidepost is called Cultivating a Resilient Spirit. And there's a a quote above each one of the chapters, and um, I want to dedicate this to Mike. I hope he's still listening, um, and I'd like to dedicate this quote to him. It's It's on the top of this chapter. It was written by Terry St. Cloud, and here's what she says. He could never go back. And make some of the details pretty. All he could do was move forward. The whole beautiful. Hmm. I think that is, you know, w- words to live by. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. when I reread this and read it again, and then t- you know, talking to uh, the caller earlier, it, it really is true that you can't you can't go back and make some of the ugly things pretty. You can only you know, recognize it and then move forward and make the whole beautiful. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a beautiful quote. So any final thoughts for us as we get close to the top of the hour to wrap up the show?
2: Well, you know, first, Brenda, it's just such a treat to share the air with you. Um, You know, thank you for having me. I I really enjoy, uh, enjoy this. Um, but, you know, as, as I was reflecting on, uh, on the show tonight, I was thinking back to uh, this past summer because I was going through this period of time over the summer that was really challenging me to the core. And I wanted to run from adversity in almost any way that I could. Uh, and at that time, uh, my, as my coach and I were talking about adversity, we, uh, we said that I was going to uh, tattoo Embrace Adversity on my body. Well, I didn't tattoo <laughs> it, but I wrote it on my hand. <laughs> so, okay. um, you know, just embrace adversity. And every time I opened my hand, there it was. Open to it. Embrace it. So if there's anything that I would like to leave our guests with tonight, it's this. You have the strength. That you need. You have the strength in your heart that you need to face whatever it is that you are facing, and you have the strength in your heart to grow, to grow stronger, to grow forward, to grow bigger through whatever it is that you're facing. And I mean, without encouraging folks to stay in abusive or dangerous situations, of course, that's something completely different. I would encourage completely. Mm-hmm. Get grounded. Take good care and remain open.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Henry, it's always a delight to have you on the show and I really look forward to the next time that we can we can be together. So thank you. That was that was beautiful. So listeners, tune in to the next episode of Being a Leader live with Brenda Baird on October 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, right here on the Life Coach Radio Network. Resilience. We've learned a lot tonight. I'm going to write it on my hand. Embrace adversity (laughs) and take your (laughs) advice, Henry. Uh, Thank you. So until then, everybody, be safe and have fun. That's a wrap, Tommy. So good night, everyone. Thanks, Henry.
2: Good good night.